Welcome to another Evolving Smart Storytelling episode. Today we have George Bai, founder, CEO, and chairman of Bai Aerospace. George is the creative innovator behind the all-electric Sunflyer general aviation aircraft. We look forward to telling the story of George Bai and how he is bringing a new outlook to the aerospace industry. Hi, this is Kelly Gehring with Evolving Smart, and today I am so excited to be welcoming George Bai, who is the founder, CEO, and the mind behind Bai Aerospace. George, welcome to this episode of Evolving Smart's Storytelling. Thank you very much. So I have just a couple of questions to talk about with you. You come from an all-American background, so I'll list just a couple of things. And in my research on you that I have found, Boy Scouts, baseball, evidently you had a great career starting in baseball. Um, you had violin lessons. You had an art mentor, which was your mom. You'd love to hike and camp. And then you went on to serve our country as an Air Force pilot. So all of those teachings and how did that bring you to where you are today and make the person George Baez? That's a very broad question, isn't it? And it's an honor. I'm truly humbled and fortunate. I had a very, very broad and interesting background growing up. I really, I love baseball. Uh, I was in Cub Scouts and, and Boy Scouts. My mother is, a, is an artist and, and my grandfather, my uncles and so forth were all professors and uh, research scientists. Gran Grandpa was a professor at Oregon State University where my father and mother met years ago. So I, I had both kind of the academic aspect as well as the artistic aspect. My, my mother, rather than uh, going into uh, advanced studies, focused on art, but she was very much encouraging both the academics as well as the art. So, you know, before I could go play baseball, I had to practice playing the violin. Uh, my dad, on the other hand, uh, would often join us for Boy Scout activities. And, you know, we got to hike the Pacific Northwest. We, uh, at one point, had a chance to climb the middle sister of the Three Sisters Mountains in the uh, Cascade Range. So, uh, e extraordinary upbringing, but it was balanced with uh, art and music, not just uh, science and sports. And I think uh, to, to your question, that was very formative in me in the kind of the, you know, early DNA of what George Bay would become uh, going, going on to the University of Washington and ROTC and then, of course, being an Air Force pilot. It brought it an additional dimension to what engineering typically would be, kind of linear thinking. Uh, and a difference for me is a little bit more of the artistic aspect, conceptual uh, thinking, and part of, I think, who I am uh, for as an aircraft designer brings in that, that additional artistic dimension. Thank you, George. Yes, it definitely, in the research, it was quite interesting. And I also um, was able to see a picture that your mom had painted of you as an Air Force pilot. So that was really great work. I mean, it was beautiful. 
so I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump into more of the uh, by aerospace question here. So given all the challenges of the pandemic, we know the pressures of FAA certifying a new aircraft or um, anything new for the aviation world, and you're, you're certifying your eFlyer 2, what opportunities um, are yet to come with the electric aviation becoming mainstream? So, so out of all of these components, what keeps you up at night? Yeah, so we've been doing this a while, as you know, Kelly, we go back more than 10 years, and uh, the, the trajectory of technology, the technology trends, you, know, you have hard data, and then you have research data, which is kind of dash, 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 and then you have kind of white space. It's projected, but not known. It's assumed, but not yet accomplished, not even in the research phase. It's just a projection of these, these trends. And when we first began, a lot of what we were looking for uh, was beyond the dashed line. It was in the white space. So the first projects that we did, we converted a Cessna uh, to electric propulsion. It had you know, all of 15 minutes of flight time. Uh, we had a, a, a yellow prototype, colored, we call it the yellow bird, but it was a single seat uh, battery powered uh, airplane. And we looked at how long it might fly, 100 to 160 watt hours per kilogram in energy density, going to 200 watt hours per kilogram in energy density, and now 240, 260, and 270 watt hours per kilogram in energy density with the latest prototype, the E-Flyer 2 developmental prototype. We finally achieved over 10 years time, an energy density, a capacity for a product, not just research, not just a pathway. We've gone from solid line to dash line and white space. And now we're in the, in the position where the dash line and the solid line is beginning to be mature enough where we can have a first real product, the E-Flyer 2. And that's targeted on training. It's about a three-hour flying endurance. But you, you wonder what comes next. And the full, the full range of possibility for the future of general aviation, again, is the dashed lines and the white space. And there's some concepts that are out there are definitely in white space. And that's okay. But there's risk and worry with that timeline uh, and, you know, for us to fully achieve the hoped for outcome, we're still looking to the dashed lines. We're still looking to the white space. But today, the cornerstone, the foundation of electric aviation is ready to go to market. And that's why we're engaged with the FAA on the E-Flyer 2. That is so exciting. Um, I, I spent 17 years in aviation and just what I had seen in 17 years was, you know, monumental. So hearing about this electric solution to aviation is, is just, it's still very intriguing and very amazing. You, you know, as I, as I talk about that, what has been 
the most captivating or um, intriguing experience that you've had as a pilot yourself, bringing by aerospace into everyday life? What has been challenging or, you know, like I said, the most captivating story, you know, I was reading that you lost the front of your airplane basically when you were in Hawaii, <laughs> but we can talk about that or, or what, what's really a story from you, George, about that. So years ago, <clears throat> I trained uh, fighter pilots at the NJEPT program, Euro-NATO Joint Jet Pilot Training Program. So I trained young NATO pilots uh, and help them prepare to become a, a fighter pilot. At the end of their qualification, if they succeeded in our course of training, uh, they would go on to uh, fighter lead-in training and um, join, join the air forces of their respective NATO countries as a fighter pilot. That was formative for me as an instructor as well. And, you know, just the kind of the grit and determination to challenge yourself to go beyond uh, your maybe what you thought your limitations were to set set a new set a new standard a new uh, a new goal a new milestone in front of you. When I went on from there to a Desert Storm and to other other missions, there were several opportunities for me to give my life for my country and the you know, the process of going to war for, for many soldiers, airmen, and sailors, uh, there are points, whether it's training or contingency operations or war, where you're kind of faced with, you know, potential life and death situation. Now, losing the nose of your airplane is probably not life and death, but it could have been. I was taking off uh, from one of the Hawaiian islands and we struck a large seabird. Uh, it crushed the nose of the airplane. And that by itself isn't dangerous, but rather the splatter, the parts and pieces of the airplane that, that exploded out in a way, hit each of the four engines of the intakes. There were creases and impact marks along the uh, intakes of the, of the four, all four engines and scrape marks along the side of the airplane and the, and the engine pods. That could have been catastrophic, but the real thing I had to face was an unknown uh, danger to the airplane, uh, very, very poor handling flight characteristics. It was very turbulent. And of course we uh, landed the airplane safely and, and uh, a lot of great pictures as you saw. But the lesson learned from that and other war stories that I'm sure many others have, certainly in my life, is the determination and focus through a challenge. Again, back to courage and grit. You face a challenge and you, along with your team, you drive through the other side of it. The passion, the achievement of the goal takes you through the chaos and concern and fear or whatever it might be. The bright light of the goal is more important than the, the concerns, the fear, the chaos that might occur along the way. And I think, Kelly, the difference between being an entrepreneur 
and being a pioneer is not that it's just a new business as an entrepreneur would have, but being a pioneer means there's no pathway. There's no road. There's no road map. It's like an emergency, losing the nose of your airplane. There's not practice. You don't get to practice losing the nose of your airplane. <laughs> it's an unknown outcome. There's not flight test experience to draw from. Uh, oh yeah, we're gonna fly our airplane. We're just gonna take the nose off and you can practice doing that. That doesn't exist. You create the roadmap as you go. Well, team, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna fly faster so, so that there's more airflow over the wings. This disruptive you know, turbulence around the airplane can be overcome somewhat by flying faster. We'll do this, we'll do that. We'll take appropriate measures as best as our judgment can allow. And that's what we're doing at By Aerospace. We are pioneering a new technology it's never been done before, working with the FAA to help create a new roadmap for electric. And imagine the best possible, and by that best possible, I mean safe, safety is the uh, basis of, of, of the project with the FAA. Imagine the best possible outcome with safety as our, as our cornerstone and create a whole new industry around electric. I'm going to, I wrote this down, the bright light of the goal. I'm going to keep that. I really, I'm going to quote you on that one. That one's, I really like that. I'm a curator of quotes and I really like that. Um, I appreciate the pioneer description of what bi aerospace is. As you do that, George, there's one other question I had. You know, we're, we're facing a, a pilot shortage and we're trying to get those, um, those people into airplanes, get them trained, those kinds of things. And I know that one of the goals, I think, of uh, aerospace is to do just that, is to be able to have pilots in training. Um, I know that you're uh, learning to fly with an electric airplane. Um, I know we're trying to overcome that shortage. Can you tell me a little bit about that and what your, your goal is for that? So our single engine general aviation fleet is almost 50 years old on average. The same airplane that I flew uh, with my mother and father growing up, uh, my mother first, by the way, got her license first, which was pretty dang cool. So I flew with my mother first, then dad, and we purchased the Piper Cherokee uh, 140. So my love and passion for aviation was something that was very early on for me and uh, set the course of my life. But that airplane, probably still today flying, the Cessna 172 that I got my private pilot license on in the 1970s, uh, late 1970s, probably still flying today. And at 50 years old, nearing the end of its useful life. There's airworthiness directives out on both Pipers and Cessnas now. Uh, very concerning. Uh, likely the fleet is on its very last leg. So when we depend on the single engine general aviation fleet for our next generation of pilots, the age of the fleet is very concerning. And secondly, of course, burning aviation gasoline, uh, as some of us in the audience know, 
it's pretty expensive fuel. It's a premium of premiums, roughly twice-ish what we pay at the uh, gas pump for automobiles for premium. So flying is expensive and the fleet is old, uh, very much in need of replacement for young people wanting to become a professional pilot. These are barriers. The age of the fleet uh, in and of itself uh, is a concern, but the ability to maintain it and to fuel it with expensive avgas is a concern. And roughly 80% of our students drop out today, citing the cost of flying as their number one obstacle. Electric literally brings the cost of flying down fivefold, fivefold. Wow. Energy cost about four, here in Colorado, it, it depends on where you live, but here in Colorado, we were, we've been flying our developmental prototype for over two years now, two and a half years. It's around three to four dollars per flight hour of electric energy to fly. That's it. As opposed to 40 or 50 dollars of avgas. Right. Imagine the disruptive opportunity for a whole new generation of flying when you can take that cost component out of the objections that young people have uh, to be able to afford becoming a pilot or even more a professional pilot. Electric motors have one moving part, internal combustion engines, you know, 946 moving parts. Combusting carbon-based fuel, CO2, et cetera, as a, as a byproduct. Taking the equation, changing those metrics, Improving the opportunity to fly by bringing the cost down are the noble goals that we have to a new generation of pilots and a legacy that we'd like to leave behind uh, as by aerospace. That is amazing. I mean, just the basic economics of removing those challenges for pilots or students wanting to become pilots and the number of hours that it takes to, to get to that point as well. So one of the last things I will have to come clean. So again, as I mentioned to you, I was in aviation for about 17 years. And one of my quote claim to fames was that I had a waypoint named after me in the Denver airspace. However, that was a few years ago and, and you always know that you can always be decommissioned. And I do now know that I've been decommissioned. So that was a little, um, <laughs> A little busting oh, of my bubble. Um, I know, I know. Um, I um, worked for a very large organization at the time, and our CEO at the time had always mentioned to us that, how did you get a waypoint? And I didn't even get one in, in all my years in aviation. So that was always um, a little bit of a joke with my former CEO and myself. But again, I think my um, intrigue with, with air safety and just bringing forward, you know, the pioneering ways that you're doing it, George. I mean, it's amazing. And I, I can only hope for all of the good things that are going to come your way. So as we close here, any last words of wisdom for our audience, for those in the aviation world or those wanting to, 
to really partake in a career in aviation for us? Well, I, I would invite the young people in the audience or the parents of young people to encourage uh, our, our children. Uh, aviation is a great, great industry. I've been in it all my life in engineering and uh, as a military officer and then of course now as a, an executive. It's a great, great industry and so, so very important. Um, the, the world depends on this, on this industry and, and all of its facets, but it does take a little extra. It is a, a challenging industry. Uh, the technical knowledge, the business knowledge, the economics, uh, all of those features present uh, a challenge to us and the, the achievement of uh, an engineering degree or an economic or business degree, uh, perhaps even advanced degrees, is well worth the, the, you know, the process, uh, the <laughs> sometimes late nights and extra study time. Um, and that runs a little bit contrary to our current culture, which is you know, kind of immediate satisfaction and, and smartphones and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it really is upon us as parents, uh, the inspiration to our kids to kind of see the bright goal uh, beyond the, the process that, that's uncomfortable, that takes an extra effort. But those are the characteristics that will be uh, needed in young people to help make the world a better place. And then in their, in due course, when it, it's time for them to pass the baton on, uh, we leave the world just a little bit better place. I go back to Boy Scouts and, you know, you always clean up the campfire. You know, the, the, those, those, that kind of way of thinking, leave the world a little bit better place. And every, every step along the way, all, all of that uh, heartache, all, all of the uh, discomfort on the other side of it, It'll be, it'll be worth that journey. Well, again, George, thank you so much for your time. I know you're extremely busy. You have a lot on your plate right now. And I just truly appreciate your time. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Kelly. It's a pleasure. This has been another Evolving Smart Storytelling episode. For more information on Bi Aerospace, please find the company link in our show notes.